The next train to Tangent City departs in one minute. This is an unlimited service that may stop at reviews, spoilers, and swearing. Passengers traveling with young or conservative travel companions are reminded to read the show description before embarking on any journey to Tangent City. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get stuck in. All right. Oops, so. sorry. Delayed response. <laughs> delayed. I'm, um, <laughs> Everyone's really paying attention. Everyone's looking at their screen. It's our third podcast of the night. <laughs> no, we've managed to kick through a few, which has been great. Uh, mm, and, true. you know, the, the most amazing thing is that we've started the, the introductions pretty quick. We haven't tangented I know. for 20-odd um, minutes. Mm. And then it's been short, sharp, quick. Straight to the point. Straight to the point. So why should this episode be any different? We should give <laughs> listeners a three for three, hey, and <laughs> kick start. Uh, you're listening to the wonderful Tangent City, uh, the episode or the, the podcast, I should say, where we take a pop culture reference or topic or whatnot and we just – dissect it, and then often head off on a little tangent, a little bit of a cruise, if you like. Branches. Oh, we should have used that for the last one, Jungle Cruise. Ah. Anyway, there's lots of um, segues we can possibly use at a later later point. Anyway, I'm Cecilia, and I'm joined by uh, Lewis, who is sitting next to me. Hello. uh, And Kat, who is across uh, from me. Who's waving. Who's waving. idiot. That's okay. I do lots of things (laughs) that people – I think that people will – Realize that I'm doing, but I'm not because they can't see us. <laughs> One day we might have that really cool yeah, podcast, the webcam, yeah, like-, like Joe Rogan does. Yeah. Oh, can we say that on air, Joe Rogan? Yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? We're giving him, we're giving him a plug. Hi, Joe. I see. Hopefully, hopefully, he'll give us a plug back. <laughs> Do you know what? I reckon Joe Rogan's such a cool guy. I reckon he totally would. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, nice. he totally would. He's great. Uh, but this episode's all about Black. Widow. It is. Which is interesting because we've spoken about the Suicide Squad and now we're speaking about Black Widow, which at this point now is a couple of weeks old. So people would definitely have had, well, hopefully have had the opportunity to watch this. Well, it this. depends because if you're, if you're like Team <laughs> team Scarlet, you might have just gone, true. fuck you, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> that is we're actually not giving you our money. <laughs> very true. But I think we probably should ring spoiler about just in case. Yeah, do it. Bing, 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 because we are, we're going to be, minus my little bing, 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 (laughs) did not need that. Uh, We will be crossing over into spoiler territory as we uh, delve and dissect this movie, uh, Black Widow. Yeah. Which um, I'm certainly not an expert on these films, but. Um, I think we've only got one expert at the table and that would be Lewis. Hi, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) You just know so much. I'm trying to find my – I wrote some notes about Black Widow a few weeks ago. Yeah, Um, I know so much about stuff that's – well, that's not really true. Like uh, back in the day it might have been unimportant. You could have talked to people about it their eyes would glaze Mm -hmm. over. But these days the the knowledge I have, it's kind of like – It's valuable. Interesting. They go, oh, Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, I do know that this film is directed by Kate Shortland. It, yes. She's an Australian 
director yes. um, of a somersault and the Ber- uh, and Berlin syndrome, which was a film a few years ago where uh, Teresa Palmer visits Berlin and gets kidnapped by Teresa Palmer by an evil one. guy. Mm. Um, I can't remember the guy who's in it, but he's very familiar as well. But I believe this is a first big budget kind of action film for sure, um, and it it, it was uh, interesting because. This film uh, is obviously you know, the Black Widow's first solo film, but it was uh, supposed to come out in 2020, in May 2020, mm-hmm. but was pushed back and, and pushed back and ended up coming out uh, in, uh, was it June? It was June or July? It was July. Yeah, it beginning of July. July, uh, July uh, 2021. Yeah, because you had... July was um, Black Widow, closely mm. followed by the um, by Jungle Cruise. Yes, yeah. But interestingly, like you know, uh, the uh, Black Widow uh, Natasha had died previous to that in uh, in Avengers Endgame. Well, so that was the thing we didn't know where this movie was going to fit into it all, yeah. and and how they were going to deal with that aspect. Yeah. So 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 basically this film uh is after Civil War and before Infinity War. So um yeah after Civil War yeah it is after yeah. Um so the film start at the start of the film uh Natasha's on the run uh because you know she uh betrayed the Black Panther and then she had to bail because, uh, you know, she was now in a breach of the Sokovia Accords and she didn't want to get arrested. So she goes on the run and uses some of her spy contacts to give her safe houses and equipment and, and those kind of things that she needs. Mm. Um, and then at the end of the film, uh, you know, that, that same contact who, who equips her and stuff like that manages to get her, um, a Quinjet and then she goes off and then puts together the Avengers team, uh, that is the, the Captain America team. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, that's where this film sits. Uh, so it's kind of like when you do go in to see this film, you know, there's no real stakes in it for Natasha because she's not going to die in this film because you obviously know she makes it to Infinity War and then Endgame. It's and- the same thing that you get when you walk into like a Captain America movie. Like, yeah. you know, that he's going to live through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that that was the point I was making about uh, Suicide Squad, where you know that not all the characters are going to make it out alive. Because mm. uh, I mean, really, with um, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it was only really when you got to uh, Infinity War and Endgame that you really saw any of the major characters dying. Mm. Um, but yeah, but even given that, this is still a really great. Film uh, that you know showcases Natasha, showcases Scarlett Johansson's portrayal of uh, the Black Widow character that she's been playing since Iron Man Two, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's just it's phenomenal. But also at the same time, you're introducing uh, Yelena as well as potentially the next Black Widow in this mm. film. So it's there's a lot of things happening, and also you know you're you're introduced to um, Rachel Weisz's character as well, uh, Melina, uh, David Harbour as Alex. Um, and uh, you know Florence Pugh, as I said, is Elena. But you're seeing more um, international characters that you haven't seen before in the Marvel Cinematic well, Universe. Because they bring in that that real sort of Cold War stuff. Mm. So yeah. not only have you got a Russian family that are basically sleeper agents. Well, they're not necessarily 
Sleep agents, is that the correct terminology? No, they're not really. Because sleep agents generally they're referred to as, uh, aren't they just people who are like brainwashed and they get triggered and then they... Maybe. But they're they're basically planted as a family uh, because the kids don't realise what they are. No. And when they escape, they go through Cuba and you've got all the ties into the Cuban Missile Crisis and, and all of that stuff. So it's it's interesting the way that it kicks off, but... The you have a glimpse into so Black Widow is interesting because we first meet her in Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie, or is it the second? A uh, second one, yeah. And so, but you only really get like a a brief glimpse at the mm-hmm. character. You you don't get a lot of Black Widow. You don't get a lot of of um Natasha. Basically you just at that point in time you just know she works for Shield. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all you get. But as the movies move on, you get a little bit more insight into her and you come to understand that she's trained by um she was trained in Russia and that the training that she went through was pretty horrific. I mean it ends in her um like her graduation ceremony is a hysterectomy so she can never have kids and and it's just like wow that's like really cold and but she's got such warmth to her as a character mm. in you know because obviously she's developed as a person once she gets out of that. But when you go back to it like this, you get to see through Yelena. You mm-hmm. get to see that really sort of cold and like not only that sense of abandonment that I'm sure that Natasha would have had, but you get to see what it was like to actually stay in that environment. And man, it, it just gets worse. Mm. <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the, actually, your sleep agent thing was, was correct. It's like people have been put into a, a country or organization for, not for an immediate mission, mm. but to do a mission when they're activated. Mm-hmm. Ah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, a. Uh, they, they've kind of like throughout the, the time of Black Widow in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they've peppered in those uh, bits and pieces of her past mm. in there. And they've referred to the red in her ledger and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and then her and Hawkeye have um, uh, routinely mentioned about Budapest. And uh, it's interesting in this where they, they kind of expand a lot more on that 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 history mm. and how she came to become an agent of shield and, and those kind of things and what the budapest thing was all about like with her and clint mm. yeah it's it's kind of cool that it, it sort of answers a few questions doesn't it it does it does but it raises a lot more as well <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's interesting though because i can almost watch this film well, I have as a standalone because I haven't seen either films on either side. So oh. for me, it felt like a an assassin film. And I obviously knew that there was references to the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm. and things that happened in previous films. Um, but, yeah, you, you can still go in and watch this and not really have any idea. If as that a makes standalone, sense. I think yeah. it probably mm. works the best of yeah. the Marvel movies as a standalone which is except kind of- for maybe the Hulk, which should just stand on its own <laughs> in the corner. It's a bad, bad movie. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of uh, uh, interesting because it's like uh, one that's had the most history leading up to it. Yeah. Um, but you're right; they've done a great job with being able to make it a, a film that you can just watch uh, on its own. Mm. And, and like, if you want to watch what came previously, you can or if you want to watch uh, what comes after, you can. Mm-hmm. And it does lead into those those things. But yeah, you could just literally go into it and, and watch it 
for itself and it is very much a, a spy kind of a, a film uh, even with the fact it's got those opening credits because most marvel films do not have opening credits that is very true mm. yeah they have the titles over the picture that's happening mm-hmm. yeah mm. right huh and and so it was uh but this was very bondy in the way that it was uh you know showing you know uh pictures and stuff like that from the film and those kind of things, the way that, you know, Bond will have some sort of opening sequence. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, as you said before, that, though, of course, you're in uh, America in the 1980s and seeing the younger versions of uh, Natasha and Yelena. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you go to the the, the, the present day and then uh, you've, you've, uh, with Yelena and she gets exposed to this red mist, which kind of uh, deprograms her because she's mm-hmm. been – the Red Room is now – using uh, mind control to keep their operatives in in order mm. and this red mist uh, deactivates the the asset um, so it was a yeah interesting kind of uh, you know storyline there that they uh, that they, they they used um, and it caused like the Natasha and Yelena to get together because Yelena sends the uh, the the, uh, the gas to Natasha oh uh, yeah 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 mm. But it sort of takes a while to get to her. So you, you kind of wonder what the actual timeline of the movie was because – Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was only that that guy brought the mail to Natasha that she got the package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all very – yeah, it's interesting anyway when you sort of think back and go, oh, I wonder how long it was between that scene and that scene. Mm. But you're right. It's got that very like – so you've got these sort of spy people that are – kicking off the movie with that side of things in terms of them running around on roofs and stabbing people and Mm. doing all that kind of thing. And it's only because uh, Natasha gets attacked by Taskmaster and she realizes it's not her he's attacking, but he's trying to get his hands on, trying trying to get their hands on the, uh, the, the gas Mm -hmm. that like, that's when she starts to, to look for Yelena. Mm. So it's uh, but it was very interesting. The Taskmaster character in this movie was so different to the Taskmaster that's in the comics, because in the comics the Taskmaster is uh, is a man, uh, and he is basically a either an assassin for hire, but generally speaking, he is a trainer of assassins. Ah, um, because he's got the photographic reflexes, so that whatever uh, fighting move he sees, he can instantly do. It makes him a great trainer and be able to train people into different uh, ways of fighting. Hmm. Um, but uh, always been a great. So they ca- kind of brought that aspect into that char- into the character in the movie because everything that Natasha did to try and fend this character off was getting countered like really easily mm, mm. she's like what what's going on i feel so bad for her she's just trying to live out in a little van yeah. out in the middle of nowhere and then she gets drawn back in which we know is gonna happen yeah. but yeah she got that kind of peace and quiet for a few days before um not yeah. for long not for yeah. long not for long if only all. that guy had not brought her her mail oh. yeah <laughs> If only it was like the Romeo and Juliet scenario where he doesn't get the where she doesn't oh, get yeah. the mail. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a really poor reference, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I just imagine because I know in the Baz Luhrmann one, yeah. he's out in the the van as well in the middle of nowhere. And <laughs> true, very true. <laughs> but it's true though because it's, it's kind of like if uh, she never went to that van and got mm. the mail, then mm. Taskmaster would have gone to the van, grabbed the red mist, and then credits. <laughs> Movie over. No, because no, no, no. the rest of the movie would have been like that. Was it Emil Hirsch? That one where he goes and lives in a oh, bus? Yeah, yeah. 
in the middle of nowhere. The wild, was it? Yeah, and he eats berries or something dies, like that yeah. and dies. Or is it the bear that gets him in the end? I'm not sure. No, I think he, he dies. There's bears it. and berries. Bears and berries. <laughs> I'm not sure oh, which one it bears is. Bears and berries. But, but it, it could be just like that. Yeah. But it was, it was kind of cool with the Taskmaster character in this film that, like, you don't really think the character is a female because it's the, the the look of the character is very masculine and very male. And then, uh, you know, it's not until later in the film that you realize that uh, the character is actually uh, Antonia, which is the daughter of the film's antagonist, played by Ray Winston, mm. um, Dreykov. Uh, and he, he plays this really dry, calculating, um, uh, just control freak mastermind guy mm. uh, who is in control of the red room and is just using yeah obviously he's using his assassins to make money yeah um and uh, so what else would you do <laughs> yeah but it was it was nice the way that they kind of made uh the taskmaster like a victim of natasha in a way because they she had to kill um tra- she had to kill um uh, Drakov, uh back when she was going to join S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. But the only way I know that he was definitely there was to see that his daughter was also in the building before they blew it up. Mm. And they did that. And so that supposedly killed Drakov, but didn't because he's, uh, he's the antagonist in the film. Uh, but it also severely scarred um, Antonia, his daughter. And you thought that she was dead. But then it was revealed later in the film that she actually is Taskmaster. Mm. And she's being, like, you know, also controlled the same way that all the other women in the Red Room are. So it was a really interesting kind of take on the character. Um, you know, if you're a... a if you're a real steadfast fan, you wanted to see the comic book version of it. You're not necessarily going to see that, but I still. Was there any like because you obviously follow a few like pages and forums and things that have the, those kind of reactions? Were there some negative reactions to the unveiling of that character? I never really saw any negative reactions hmm. to it. Well, because um, usually they're quite prominent, yeah. especially when it <laughs> involves gender. Yeah, but no, I, I thought it was a clever way of doing it. Like, um, hmm. you know, the Taskmaster, if they did the comic book version of it, could have been a very dry, straightforward kind of character. Mm. Whereas I think what they did here was to give the character some, you know, interesting kind of backstory. And it's not to say that they can't make the Taskmaster character a trainer of assassins later on. Because she's still got the same power set. So she could and now she's got her Well and the girls mm. are looking for direction now. So yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, chances are you could still use the uh the her as a trainer. So Going back to like that end of the movie kind of stuff, do you feel like this movie had that similar? Oh, you have you seen Captain Marvel? No, oh, I haven't. So there's this bit in Captain Marvel because you're a Buffy fan, right? I am. So you know that whole thing where all of the Slayers, um, the potential in them is released, and so yep. they can all of a sudden stand up for themselves yes. and everything like that. Yeah. So lovely, powerful moment. I'm probably making it sound a bit more <laughs> blasé than what it is, but it is a really lovely moment because you got these these girls that are just standing that little bit taller and and standing up yeah. for themselves and fighting back and and this sort of like a montage. And so you've got that whole thing of that happening so you get that in marvel um sorry captain marvel and there's a sense of that 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 character gets to at all the stages in her life just Mm -hmm. stand that little bit taller because she realizes the potential in herself Ah. but then you get that with so you've got this group of trained assassins like they're all kick-ass right yeah but they're also programmed 
completely downtrodden because like it's that whole um hierarchical kind of structure yeah. that they work within so they're just following orders all the time but they're released from that they're released from like they all get exposed to the deprogramming deprogramming agent whatever that sort of vapor stuff is and so that they they're freed yeah but they're also empowered in that as well and it's just like oh i feel like marvel's got to not necessarily stop <laughs> drawing on buffy references but maybe just slow it down a little bit like yeah. not everything needs to be a buffy reference like it's cool like empowerment mm. yay but <laughs> it just felt a little bit samesy <laughs> Yeah, because there was that part towards the end where um, Yelena kind of groups with the the girls of the Red mm. Room and I feel like there's almost a film there for them, isn't there? That Definitely. We could or a TV show. Or something we could potentially see them going off and, you know, fighting their own wars and crimes and, and things as yeah, well. Yeah, like so. maybe going and... I don't know, just like finding some sort of cause to fight yeah. for out there. Yeah, because, I mean, they're all enough. trained. They've got these skills that's, and abilities. So yeah. now maybe they'll, I don't know, do something good with it. And that's the whole thing of them kind of being at the end of the movie, maybe not directionless, yeah. but like looking for that leadership. Yeah. So between Yelena and Taskmaster, mm-hmm. maybe they're going to find that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, th- I think it does lead to some interesting uh, possibilities for the Marvel Cinematic Universe now that you've got these trained women uh, that they, they could be used for different things, mm. um, which I, it seems like you know, groups of trained women in the, the MCU seems to be with a Dora Milaje and uh, mm. you know, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> the, the women, are, uh, as far as fighters go, are certainly the, uh, the dominant force in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's true. That's very true. Mm. Um, also, the weird dad jokes. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, Alexi with his his terrible, terrible dad jokes. And it's kind of weird because that whole thing of them, so they're a, they're a sleeper agent family. So the girls aren't really sisters and neither of the parents, the people portraying their parents, yeah. that they're not even a couple, let alone and like their parents. But as they fall back in together, it's again one of those scenarios where they just sort of all fall back into place and fall back into that family momentum yep. and pattern. And it's just like that whole thing of like, was it the mother that tells Natasha to sit up straight at the mm. table or it just, and just like little things where you're just like going, well, how could you, but they were, I guess, very young when they were chucked into that family environment. So they kind of respond to that. It's, yeah. That in itself is so interesting. And there's got to be some connection built over the years as mm. well, it's particularly for the girls. They they didn't know what was going on until later on in life. No, so. but like when, like in that Cuba scene where like they, they land mm. and it's the mother who's been shot, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And so, sorry, I've only seen this the once and it was a little while ago. And so she's getting rushed off and the girls are sort of concerned for her and mm-hmm. the mother's just like, look, you know, just don't let them – don't let them – what's the phrase that she uses? It's like don't let them get to you or don't let them wear you down or yeah. something like that. And so she sort of shows a little bit of a caring aspect, whereas Alexia is just like, all right, so what's my next task? Mm-hmm. Like He just like throws the family aside. He doesn't care okay. about the woman that's getting taken away with the gunshot wound. He certainly doesn't care about the two girls that are about to be taken away and trained into being agents themselves. Which is odd, though, because he's actually got a, a tattoo on him in the prison scene, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, translates to uh, Yelena and Natasha. Oh. 
Oh, interesting. That's cool. Mm. So it's written in like Cyrillic or is it Cyrillic, the Russian Not sure. alphabet? How did you pick that up? Did you just know? Because that's really <laughs> No, he just looked it up on the oh. internet. It no, a, it's just it a, a, a unique little piece of information mm. that kind of that's makes you cool. think a little bit differently about the whole dynamic. So maybe because – so you've got the – so Alexi basically, when he comes back, he comes back and just goes, right, so what's my next task? Yeah. And his next task is to basically sit in prison. He's imprisoned. Mm. And um, then you've got Milena, who becomes this doctor who develops the controlling serum stuff, however that works. Mm. And so, like, they're both kind of captive in mm-hmm. some ways. I guess, like, she's got a little bit more freedom. But he's obviously had a lot more time to think about the family scenario and maybe reminisce and, yeah. you know, think about how good those times were. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the movie, it's a very idyllic scene, isn't it? Very mm. suburban. It yeah. The girls are just sort of, like, just hanging out, just playing. It's, yeah. It's very normal. Yeah. <laughs> so it all gets turned upside down and then, obviously, he thinks he's going on to his next assignment, but his next assignment is, sorry, we're just going to throw you into prison because we don't know what to do with you. Mm. But, was but a- we're going to get your the woman who's playing your wife to go and do her doctor stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it, was, it was funny, though, that the, uh, when you see him in prison and he's telling that story to the uh, other inmates about when he was fighting Captain America. Mm. And But the thing is, though, that when he was active doing that, if that was in the 70s or the 80s, then Captain America would have still been on ice at that particular time. And so it leads to the question, like, was he just lying and making it up or was... Well, he had strength. Yeah, but- he had some sort of super strength. So who's to say that he was necessarily doing that in the seventies? Like maybe it was earlier, because uh, maybe he was around during World War Two. Right. Okay. Because yeah. he he did have like but- incredible strength. Yeah. He wasn't just a normal. Yeah, yeah. But I think he was referring to that in the eighties, though. I think that was when when he was referring to the fight in Captain America. Was he though? Yeah. Was it time date? I don't know. We'll, we shall check it out. But uh, it was it was interesting though. Later on, he also refers to you know Captain America and did he did he talk about me and and that sort uh, of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's what leads me to mm. think because the Russians were involved in World War Two. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, well, why would he be fighting Captain America in World War Two? Because the Russians were on the the Allies side. Were they? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he just met him and didn't like the looks of him. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think I think it's it's supposed to be in there as a, a question about who. Maybe what, he wasn't originally Russian. I, I think it's a question. Maybe of, he was originally German. <laughs> I think it's a question of who he was fighting. Like you know, people asking like, if, oh, yes, because there have been other Captain Americas in the past. So oh, it was a question of like, okay. you know, it, it's not Steve Rogers. So yeah. which Captain America was he fighting? Okay, okay, yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. that might be answered in days to come possibly we'll have to wait and see <laughs> but yes. no, he was he was certainly the comic relief in the film yes uh and but i mean also the uh the the chemistry between elena and natasha was really good as well yeah. like because they were uh really had that sibling rivalry thing going quite a lot in the film yeah, yeah but also like a bit of a bond as yeah, well yeah. like they didn't like Elena, like, I don't know how to describe it. So when you see it in the trailer, you think that they're literally trying to kill each other, but you can tell that they're holding back when you watch the fight scene in the movie when they first meet up together. Mm, mm. And you can tell that there's an element of holding back. And they, they kind of like, there's that, there is like that sibling thing of like not necessarily being on the same side necessarily, but realizing that they need to work together. 
Yeah, yeah. It's interesting though that the uh, the Red Room they called their assassins widows, and then Natasha's like codename is Black Widow. Like she yeah. didn't distance herself completely mm. from yeah, that. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. I wonder why. Maybe Black Widow was her code name from the Red Room. Mm. But it's just interesting that she would have, like, you know, she didn't like that time in her life, and yet uh, when she became an Avenger, that was still her, her code name was Black Widow. Something stick. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I thought it was a you know really well made. Really well made film, and uh, that uh, the car the casting was perfect. Um, it was a bit more gritty than most of the other MCU films. The uh, you know obviously a bit more more a little bit more grounded than other MCU films as well. So you're not to- you're not dealing with like um uh, like the effect side of yeah. things mm. and everything. Mm. Yeah, mm. you're not dealing with like you know there world- was the helicopter stuff though. Oh, that was pretty insane. That was that nuts. was insane. I think that's where it kind of. Yeah, I Helico- like, oh. it was a helicopter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I think it was. It was. Uh, you know, it had the action elements, but it was more Bond-like action yeah. than like the superhero type action that we used yeah, to. Yeah, like you said, like more like a spy, spy movie. Film. Yeah. yeah, which is why I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. But also, yeah, I just liked getting a glimpse of the the characters' backstories. Mm-hmm. Too. I really enjoy backstories. I think they're always really, you know, fun and and interesting, and it. it well, it allows you, you to, context. Yeah, yeah, it allows you to really get into the character yeah. when you've got that little bit of backstory. Like we spoke um, in previous episodes about uh, so um, Suicide Squad yeah. and getting that backstory to Ratcatcher 2. Yeah. Like she was already like a very sweet character, yeah. but when you get that backstory of what life was like with her father – and that torment of knowing that he was, you know, obviously an addict and everything like that, but he was a very sweet person that gave her a lot of love. Mm. And you're just like, oh, that that's that's yeah. really sweet. So you can understand how he turned out to be a really sweet yeah. person no matter what the circumstances. So, yeah. yeah. I kinda, you kind of empathise with the characters a little bit more too when you know yeah. more about them and, and why they're doing the things that they're doing. So Definitely. Motivation. Um, motivation, absolutely. Yeah. But, no, I really enjoyed it. I think um, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson worked really well together Definitely well. that piss take with yeah. the superhero. You know, when you do the superhero, yeah, they, like, yeah. how's it going? And it's just like that awkward kind of <laughs> – it's just like – it's just such a beautiful piss take. Apparently that was just a joke that uh, Florence Pugh was having with uh, Scarlett Johansson, oh, so and it got written in. just ribbing her about the superhero poses, yeah. and it got written in. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it, it cool. really works. Yeah, it really works. Because then she tries it, doesn't she? At one point, and yeah, she's yeah. Like, no, I, yeah. She's <laughs> yeah. like, I feel bad. I don't like this. But then during that helicopter scene, you've yeah. got that bit where Scarlett does like the full. Sorry, not Scarlett. <laughs> Natasha does like the full like superhero landing kind of yeah. thing. And you're like going, yeah, yeah, you kick ass at this. Yeah, but I, I, I really dig it. Like, I think that, like, they work together because they're very kind of natural people. Like, there was no pretenses. There was none of this, like, massive posing bullshit that you see in some movies. It was just, like, that beautiful natural thing. And and going back to Suicide Squad, I think that that's why Margot Robbie really works as Harley Quinn because she's just there. She's Mm -hmm. just present. She's just doing her thing. I think it's really cute. 
Yeah, no, no, it's great. Mm. Um, yeah, they worked really well together. I think it's it's fun, and I, I hope it's not the last we see of them um, on screen together. Might be the last we see of Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Oh yeah, given this, you never know. I mean, Multiverse of Madness is yeah, coming up. True. We might see a we might see a resurgence, although not oh, now yeah. that she's sued Disney. True, <laughs> that, that might put a bit of a dampener on it. I don't know. I think Disney's a smart enough to realize that they can make more money with Scarlett Johansson than without her. True. Yeah. That's very true. Um, but it must leave a bit of taste in your mouth. Yeah. Because I argued against, like, the whole thing. I was just like, well, if you've got, um, like, because she was rumoured to have lost $63 million or something like that. I'm like going, so how much has she got already? <laughs> because, like, how much money do you need? But I kind of understand that, yeah. like, if you make a deal that you should stand by it. Yeah. And so I understand, like, Lewis's point that she, he made on Diz Down Under that, um, you know, the deal was negotiated under certain certain circumstances, yeah. and the movie was supposed to be released in those circumstances, so it should have been renegotiated. Well, I had the same point, and I made it the other night. I said, "Well, how much money do you need?" <laughs> and then Lewis was <laughs> like, "Yeah, but one. it's the principle." And I was like, "Okay, I get. Yeah, no, I get that. It is the principle, but but it does seem yeah. a bit sort of." I don't know, like yeah. OTT to be yeah. quibbling, like when you've already made millions, yeah. like how much more do you need? But at the same token, how much more money does Disney need? Mm. Yeah. Like, mm. true. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, money. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, evil. It's just, yeah. But it was a. But it, Black Widow? The end, end, Not so evil. No, no. The end of the film, like the, there was a uh, post credit scene with Julie Louise Dreyfus mm-hmm. uh, as Madame Hydra or, or uh, uh, Valor, sorry, Contessa v- Valentina Allegra de Fontaine uh, or Val for short. <laughs> Just um, Val. Yeah, let's go with yeah, the easy word. Uh, she makes her second appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm. her first being in Falcon and Witch Soldier, mm-hmm. third if you count the both episodes that she was in. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, this was originally supposed to be her uh, first appearance in the MCU but due to the film being pushed back and back and back it ended up being her first appearance was in the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, where she uh, approached Johnny Walker and uh, gave him his um, uh, US agent costume and mm. uh, and then in this film she approached uh, uh, Yelena and they were talking about missions so obviously Yelena had been on missions for her uh, so yeah it just makes me wonder if uh, she's putting together a team of uh, either Dark Avengers or or Thunderbolts. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see. Thunderbolt seems like a really specific reference. It does. I feel like I'm missing out on something here. Well, yeah, me too. Something I clearly the, don't know. The Dark Avengers are, for a time, Norman Osborn was the secretary of... So def- Norman Osborn is the father of Green Goblin or he well, is, is Green Goblin? Well, is Green Goblin. Goblin. Is okay. Green Goblin, yeah. Oh, cool. So okay. Nor- See, I know something. <laughs> you know stuff. You know stuff. So Norman Osborn was the secretary of defense in America. Mm-hmm. And while he was secretary of defense, he wore an Iron Man suit that was painted up as red, white, and blue and called himself the Iron Patriot. Oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, he put together a team of Avengers, mm. uh, which included uh, he got um, Bullseye and put him in a uh, a costume, uh, a Hawkeye costume, uh, and he got um, I don't know if it was Enchantress or someone else, but made her the, the Scarlet Witch. Mm. And basically, every Avenger he uh, replaced them with someone else. Like Ares was the Thor character and stuff. Um, so he had his Avengers, but they were basically like a black uh, ops team of Avengers. So they were dubbed the Dark huh. Avengers. Uh, so that that is one possible version of what 
uh, Valkyrie doing. Uh, the other version is the Thunderbolts. Now, the Thunderbolts were Baron Zemo put together a team of villains. Oh. He called himself Citizen V. Uh, and like he had this different costume, everything like that. And then he enlisted a bunch of uh, villains who uh, were being heroes, mm. but the the whole end game was supposed to be like them, you know, getting their, their villainous means. I don't know what exactly their their point was, but um, the uh, the the thing is that they were the villains, but they were. Uh, Tend to be heroes, and so I wonder if that in other iterations of it, they've had kind of like a Suicide Squad element to the Thunderbolts, yeah. where they take the villains and they send them out on missions. Ah. And so I think that's the kind of Thunderbolts I'm thinking that Val might be putting together. Yeah. Mm. Okay, gosh, that's interesting! You're a world of knowledge yeah. about this stuff. I just don't know how you retain again. it all. It's so insane. Yeah, just so it just sticks in your head after a while. <laughs> but yeah, back to Black Widow. It was a it was a great film. Like it was just really good to see another MCU film on the mm. big screen because we were lucky enough to get uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, and uh, WandaVision. Mm. Uh, but to see uh, you know a a big screen version of uh, MCU was was fantastic again. Definitely, mm. and just seeing just a really good cast being pulled together yeah. and one that you wouldn't necessarily expect, especially with Rachel Weisz. Like who would have thought that you'd see her in a Marvel movie? I know. But Florence Pugh, like actually giving her the opportunity to really kick ass again, yeah. especially after fighting with my family. Mm, like yeah. we were big fans of that. Yeah. And to see her in this movie, just really kicking butt again. I really hope that this acts as a launching, launching pad to send her further up the, the the I don't know the chain of <laughs> I enjoy watching her and I had no idea because the first time I seen her on screen was in Midsummer mm. which is a completely different film to fighting with my yeah, family and, um, but it. she did a great job but obviously I had no idea she was British I just because she was an American in that film right um so yeah when I seen her in fighting with my family and she was British I was like oh god so mm. yeah it's just interesting but yeah she's she's great she's um she's got yeah, I think we're going to see her in a lot more. Yeah, definitely. And she seems like a good person as well. So yeah. you know that I'm a big fan of the podcast Fake Doctors Real Friends. Yeah. And because she's um, the partner of Zach Braff and she shows Wait, up every what? now and again. Really? Yeah. I feel like there's a bit of an age difference. Oh, there would be an age difference. Yeah, right. Not that but that's like, – yeah, okay. Wow. Everything is just so very cool about her. Like her yeah. mum – um, comes on and has this little bit that she said, like she did it for the podcast, just like this little thing that says, for God's sakes, boys, stop talking about your penises. <laughs> and this is like in this very British accent, which I didn't do very well. But it's just like, it's very cute. And yeah. like she came on and did this um, segment where she made a martini, which was completely wrong because who puts <laughs> vermouth in a martini? It's all about the gin and that's it. Or just vodka and olives because, yeah. you know, you just need to chill it basically. Basically. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, like, she just seems like a really warm kind of person. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that warmth, I think, really translates onto the screen. I had no idea she dated Zach Braff. That's yeah, so like, interesting. Yeah, I didn't realise until I started listening to the podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know how, how long That's... it's been or anything, but, yeah, yeah it's very cute. Great. It's it's interesting that uh, obviously Florence got the uh, the call to be Elena, but there were other actors in the the running for it as well. Oh yeah, uh, including Emma Watson, Cersei Ronan, uh, Alice Engelhart, 
but so who? I'm not sure who Alice Engelhart is. Brings a bell. Yeah, mm. uh, there was another one called Da Zukovsky. So it must be a Russian actress. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, but Florence got the uh, got the job, uh, which is interesting because her and Emma Watson were both in Little Women. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. But I think what what uh, actually pushed her out of line was the fact that she did play uh, Paige in Fighting with My Family, and so they got to see her in that kind of you know, fighting role. So. Yeah, she had the the coordination. I think mm. Alice. Sorry, Alice, are you saying Englehart? E n g l e r t. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, she's Australian. Hmm. What else has she been in? Filmography. Rose and Ginger, Broken Bodies. Oh, she was in that Ratchet. Ratchet. Oh, oh, Ratchet. The, oh, the, movie, the TV show. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen? You might have seen it. Um, the um, Top of the Lake China Girl. No, I was in. No, it's that TV series. Oh, it Top of the Lake. Um, um, Elizabeth Moss and. David Wenham and I want to say someone else should be in it. I can't think who else is Do in you, it. Everyone, Gwendolyn Christie. I've had a lot of people say to me you should watch it. So I think it mm. is definitely going to go on my list. I think it's one of those sort of like murder kind of things. Yeah. I think it's set in Australia, but don't quote me on it. It might have just been filmed here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about though. Mm. Yeah. So she's been quite a few things. So you could see how she would maybe be in the running for it. Mm. And she's got that whole like, she, uh, like you could see oh, her yeah. playing a role like, um, yeah, yeah, Black Widow in the future. Mm. But I, I think this movie is beautifully cast as, yeah. it, as it's been presented. Very true. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Black Widow, uh, what are you waiting for? Go and go and check it out. Excellent. Although we have kind of spoiled a lot of it for you, so <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Why are you listening to this if you haven't watched it? We hope that you've watched we it. We hope and then, watched it. And then got some extras out of listening to us. But yeah. we rang the spoiler bell at the beginning, so if you're still listening, you can't blame us. Yeah. So. Precisely. No one to blame but yourself. Exactly. So. You can wrap this stuff up. Uh, you've been listening to Tangent City. Uh, if you do love what you've heard, which I'm sure you do, uh, why would you still be here mm. listening to the very end of the show? Uh, visit us on the Gentlemen of Pop Culture where you can find more episodes of Tangent City. And there's, boy, there's heaps out there uh, covering a range of different topics. You've also got Diz Down Under for all your Disney needs and Unscripted the Film Show, which is a clean version of film reviews and news excellent bye bye Bye. this podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture